Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Josh Del Rosa, and it's good to see everyone here. I'll be along with our staff at the back in the in the breezeway, and so if it's your first time, I'd love to meet you and and uh, and uh, say hi. So we're week two in this message series called God Dreams. And in this series of messages, we're trying to look at the unique assignment and opportunity that God has for us as a church. Uh, now, when I say as a church, we're one of many churches in this area, but there's a unique opportunity that each church sort of has because God gives a unique situation. He, he, he builds a church with different people and with different uh, different. Uh, backgrounds and different experiences and different ages and stages, and so it creates a unique opportunity to impact an area. And so now God, he didn't create us just to do a list of tasks for him. He could have done that. He could have just sort of made us like robots, I guess, right? He could have made us robots, or he could have, he could have made us like X-Men or superheroes, right? And just sort of programmed us each day on what needed to happen, And we would be far more easily led if he made us that way, right? (laughs) We're pretty easily distracted in life. I mean, we're easily distracted. We need sleep. We have desires. Like, we we desire to be loved. We desire to love people. And all of those things, like our need for sleep or our desire to be loved or to love, that actually decreases our productivity in life. I mean, there's... Why did God give us the desire for love? I mean, God did this so that we might learn to love him and to love others and to work together on some things to turn God's plans and his dreams into reality. So in this series, we're looking at God's dreams versus our, our dreams. Uh, all of us have gone our own way in life, and we do dream as people. We've been given the ability to dream and to imagine, but our minds tend to lead us to very small dreams, they're, and they're also very They're very much self-focused dreams. Dreams benefit our family, benefit us personally, dreams that fit us. Like, I'm sure you've all sort of watched movies in your mind, like Aladdin is a movie that they've redone and it's out. And it's a fun movie, but it's about, you know, if you had a genie and they could could give you your wishes, what would you dream? And so, you know, we've answered that question probably in our minds through the years. If, If... Money was not an option, or, you know, if I could do anything with my life, what would it be? And so we've sort of wandered in our mind trying to, trying to answer that question. Uh, you know, even as a pastor, I, I sometimes I'll think through, like, and I read a lot, and I go to a lot of conferences and seminars, and sometimes I've thought, I know what I could do if I just could write a book. If I just wrote a book, God, give me a really good idea, I'll write a book, the book will become famous, and then all of my challenges in life would be solved. Like I'd put the kids through college, my retirement, I wouldn't have to worry about retirement, I'd just write a book. Some, some other pastors have written books and they've done really well. And then, you know, or, or in your world, you probably have those thoughts, like if I could just do this or that, then man, it would just come together. But over time, many of our dreams are more like mirages. We, we experience these things that we thought would deliver all the joy and, and they don't really do it. In fact, even the few that are able to maybe turn the big dreams into reality, like the stars, the superstars, the athletes, 
they, they experience those things, and it's never really enough. It's one more Super Bowl ring. It's one more trophy. It's another title. It's another increase. And, and yet, it's not enough. There's still this pining for more. And, and, and it's because we've been created for more than just me dreams, self-focused dreams. We've been created for God dreams, something on a much larger scale. God wants us to go after things that he's concerned about. So here's how we've defined a God dream. A God dream is, is a vision of the future that begins first in the mind of God, and then it's given to us. The church is where God calls us to dream his dreams and then work together to see his dreams become reality. And when God gives us a vision of the future, it's, it's presented inside of a frame which has limits to it. It's because while God's dreams are big, we're limited as people. We're not robots. We do need sleep. So we, we need limits to know where should we focus our time and our energy and our resources in life. And so in this series, we're fleshing out the specific pieces of Orange Crest Community Church. Like, what is our mission? That's what we're looking at uh, this morning. A frame is, it helps set the limits on life. It, it gives us a doable part of God's assignment to us. And this frame here that we'll be looking at in the next uh, four to five weeks, it's going to flesh out our mission, our values, our strategy, and our, and our measures. And so the mission question answers you know, what are, what are we doing here as a church? What are we doing? A mission statement is a sentence that really summarizes the what. What is the big assignment? What has God asked the church, his church, to do? This is important because we're easily distracted as individuals. And, and when we come together to accomplish something, the distraction only intensifies. And so, now I don't know about you, but when I'm trying to make sure I've given a clear assignment... I try to do a few things. One is I make sure that I have the person's attention. They've given me their eye contact. And then second, I, I might repeat myself clearly, and I'll say it a few times in different ways. And then third, I'll say, now you tell me, what did you hear me say? Repeat back to me the assignment. And sometimes there's a disconnect from the sender and the receiver. I mean, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, we talked about this. You were looking right at me. How, how is it not done? So some of these distraction dynamics aren't just limited to children. I mean, this is us as adults. We, we struggle with distraction as well. And the distraction dynamic may have been some of the reason why Jesus repeated his assignment to the church five times to his followers. And he, he gave the assignment. Now, if you'll take out this sheet, this is a listening guide that you find in the program there. You'll find there's five passages I want to look at. And these clarify the assignment that Jesus gave to his followers, the church. And so at the top it says, this is the church's assignment. These are from five different books of the New Testament. This is the first five books of the New Testament. And essentially he's, he's communicating the same assignment, but in different settings. And so you see different phrases and emphasis given, but you can sort of weave together the heart of this assignment as you look at these five verses. Uh, the first one is known as the Great Commission. It's found in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 or 19 through 20. And it says this. Jesus, he's got his disciples. This is after the resurrection. And he says this to them. Therefore, calls them together. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always 
to the very end of the age. He's sending the, the disciples out with this mission. This is your assignment. And he's about to ascend into heaven, sit at the right hand of the Father, and he's giving them their instructions. This is his final words in a sense. You know, this is what you're to do. Now, if you look at the next book of the Bible, the book of Mark, you have another commissioning statement. So Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus, or he said to them, again, his followers, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Okay? Very similar to that Matthew verse, but, you know, same idea, phrased differently. Now look at the next passage, Luke. This is the commissioning there, Luke chapter 24. And he told them, Jesus told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He's bringing to mind something that was already said about what he would do. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, which is where they were presently, the city of Jerusalem. And he says, but it's almost like then he turns and he points his finger at them and says, you are witnesses of these things. It's your job. He's saying, this is your assignment. You're the witnesses of these things. You'll be the ones preaching in my name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You're the witnesses. Now, John chapter 20 is another one. The next book in the New Testament, John 20. Verse 21, Jesus, again, and again Jesus said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Very, very similar. You're witnesses. I'm sending you with a message. And then finally, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is right at the ascension scene. It says, Jesus says to his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. Those are the outer regions and to the ends of the earth. He's, you're going to be the people that carry this message forward. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. We get this sort of assignment, major assignment from Jesus. How would you summarize all of that? And that's really what we're looking at this morning. How do we summarize and then really personalize that mission for us here in Riverside in 2019 in this area. Now for them, this is occurring right after Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. And he directs this commissioning, or these, he gives them this assignment as a group. He's not just pulling one guy like Peter aside and saying, Peter, let me tell you what needs to happen. Now you spread the word. No, he's gathering the group together and he's saying, you are witnesses. You're all witnesses of this. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Together, you're going to work together as a group. And that's helpful, because it clarifies some things about the importance of church. Why, why do we do what we do when we gather together as a group? I mean, surely you could just find a church, log on from home, and never leave your, never leave your bed. You're like, oh yeah, that's right, I don't need to do this anymore. You know, in your mind you might be thinking, why did I get up? Why did I, you know, well, because there's something about being together that you can't do. Just you and your one family unit. And Jesus, he gives this commission to the group. And so one of the things I think is important is we ought to remember to avoid floating too long from church to church. Instead, we should root ourselves and work with a group of people towards a mission, towards the mission Jesus has given the church. Now, but in reality, let's face it, I mean, we all have preferences in church life, don't we? Every single one of us. And there's some things that, if you've been coming around a long time, there's probably some things that you're like, I really like that about my church. And there's some other things you're probably like, I really don't like that about my church. 
but I can live with it. <laughs> and there's probably some things that we, we don't do that you maybe wish we would do. There's preferences in our lives just in general. And there's certainly preferences in church life. But what I would communicate is what is best is to find, find a church home and be committed to it. Be loyal to it. There will always be more convenient churches, hotter churches, hipper churches, newer churches, larger churches, smaller churches, churches for all stages of life, but there will only be one that is your church. So I just encourage you, find, find that and then root yourself because just like a marriage that goes the distance, there's a depth, there's a sweetness to staying in a church community year after year, decade after decade, knowing the stories, knowing the faces, knowing the people, knowing the milestones. And when I look around, there are people in this room that they have been with us since the earliest of days, some from the very first year, some in fact from the very first service that we held in a living room here in this, in this neighborhood. And they would even tell you, that this is among their most precious investments of time and resources and realities. This is, why? Well, it's because it's their church. It's their church. The one that God has called them to. It's not something you shop for. It's not something you buy. It's actually something you add your life to and you help make and create that. And that's exciting. And I know when it comes to church, though, that the challenge is that so many of us have been so deeply hurt in the church or by the church, that you're hesitant to try it again. And so I would just encourage you, we, we want to give you space to investigate us here. That's part of why we're doing this series, is to help you understand who we are as a church, so you know our identity. And I'd encourage you, explore church life with us. John referenced this process, but exploring OCC, it, it starts with step one, a preview class that we offered, actually it was today at nine in our first service. We have three morning services here, but it was in our first service. And it'll happen every two months we have a preview class where we answer the question, where are we going? And then step two is a, another class on a Sunday afternoon called the Discover class where we answer the question, how are we going to get there? What is our structure and strategy and what does it look like to be involved here more? Uh, and then the, the third step is a real personal time to respond and reflect on the process and decide whether or not this makes sense. And you'd say, yeah, this is my church family. I want to be a part of this. But in light of those five verses that you see on the front of the listening guide. Here at OCC, we, need, we needed a one-sentence reminder to help us keep focused on Jesus' assignment. And so here's our mission statement at OCC. For our church, it's this. We exist, you know, in, for this. We want to be inviting people to take their next steps with Jesus. So if you're a person that likes to fill in the blank on the back of this, that's where that mission statement is. Inviting people to take their next steps with Jesus. Every word in the sentence is packed with meaning and purpose. In fact, in 2018, our staff and leadership, after having been a church for a decade now, walked through a process to clarify our mission, our values, our vision. And this is where we landed. This is the heart of what we're doing. We want to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And that's something that each Sunday, regardless of your level of maturity and what your church history looks like, you know, that, that can happen in your life. Whether you're a first time and maybe the, the next step is really maybe more the first step with Jesus. Or if it's just another step in your life of what you sense God's wanting you to do, we want to be a part of seeing this happen here. So I want to go through this in thought order and break it down, break this mission statement down this morning. First off is this word inviting. Let's look more carefully at this word inviting. Here's what we, what we mean here is our focus is 
Our focus is outward. We're looking for opportunities to ask our neighbors to really join with us. And so, how are our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends, how are they going to join? How are they going to hear about this? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. Paul, one of the church leaders, writing to another church leader in, in or another church, basically, in, in the city of Corinth, and he writes this. He says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God is, God is in the business of reconciling the world to himself. God is working to restore broken and fallen humanity to himself. This is from God. And it says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us, the church, the message of reconciliation. It goes on and says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. This is our assignment. We're Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This comes from God. This this, cre- this new creation transformation process, It's that comes from God. God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ. But catch this from this passage. He has committed to us a critical part. You know what he's given to us? The message. He's given the message of reconciliation to us. The message of hope. What that means is that if you and I don't open our mouths, people won't hear about this message. Really? God, you're you're wanting to entrust that to us? I mean, with all that's at stake, why would God commit this critical part of the process to us? I mean, God, I can see you giving us a minor, like a minor supporting role in, in the in the movie, <laughs> but a major role, a critical part of the process. The reason is that the message is as much about experience as, as it is about the content. What I mean by that is, like, when you're, when you're considering hiring an architect, which as a church we've been in this process with an architect lately, you want to see what, they, what they've built in the past. You want to see finished products of the, you know, of, of churches that they have built. You don't want to just see blueprints and plans. You want to see, you want to be able to drive to a church that they were involved in drawing up, taking from concept to reality. That's really important. And in a similar way, the message of Jesus is best delivered in a relationship where the person being invited to consider Christ can both, you know, hear and then see the message in us, in real people. And it says we love people, and as they see us face the storms of life, they get a chance to experience the message, not just hear about the message. None of us build perfectly, but they experience a difference when they connect with Christ followers. And so God has entrusted that message of reconciliation to us. And our our role is to do the inviting, to get around people, to live it before them, and do the inviting. Well, invite who? Well, inviting people. That's the next part, this word people, next part of our mission. Which people? Well, let's break it down three ways. Number one, the people in our path. The people right here, sort of in our hometown. Our family, our friends, our coworkers, peers in the marketplace. This is, in a sense, like our Jerusalem. When Jesus gave the, 
assignment to the disciples, he said, it's going to start first in Jerusalem, it's going to work out to the next region, it's going to reach to the ends of the earth. For us, Jerusalem is, is like the city that we're in, this, this town. Riverside is 330,000 people live in our city. And in fact, we have people from other cities that come. And so if we really look at the region that we reach into, it's, it's, we've got a larger hometown. But let's just say Riverside, for example, 330,000 people. We're the 12th most populous city in the state of California. We have four colleges in our town, very diverse town, different ages and stages. And yet this big town has a small town feel. I bump into people nearly any time I go out that I, that I know, you know, I'm, and it's my kids always laugh at it. They're like, it's so funny how we bump into people all over the place. Whether at the movies or the grocery store or restaurants, it's just it's a small town feel. But the people on our path, those are the people God wants us to be inviting. And then second, and here's a picture of, of how we do this in our in our areas. We do things in this community and throughout this this city. This is picture these are pictures of our sports camp. These are pictures of some parties that went on this uh, this last month, few months, known as pop-up parties, little block parties we had in different pockets of town, just encouraging people to get to know their neighbors and and, in, and just build relationships in in their area. There's people in the path that God is uh, wanting us to to get to know and reach out to and invite and share and invest time in. We had this great movie night this past weekend, and we even had so. You know, as you see this flyer, we had showed the movie Mary Poppins Returns. We have another Friday night. This next one, we're going to show another movie. But something unique was that two of our members dressed up like Mary Poppins and Jack. And they walked around the crowd, and they did a little routine up front, but then they had a, like a lamp post, and they were in character the whole time. And they had British accents, which is quite impressive. I was very impressed. And they didn't break character all night. Oh, it was fascinating to watch where all the families that wanted to take pictures with Mary Poppins and Jack and the parents were like, can we get, and I mean, there was, our, our actors who are part of our church did a fantastic job, but it added, a, it just added this, this, uh, delight to the experience that it made, it just took the experience for many, I think, to another level. But those are just some ways we want to get around people in, in the community and, and bridge people who might since they are ready to explore a relationship with Jesus Christ. But this goes out further. The people in our region, we're in Southern California, or we're in California. Well, God wants us to do something to help people in California come to know him, to come to know Jesus. Why California? Well, nearly 40 million people live in California. California is the, you know, as far as population, it's the largest state in the U.S., 40 million people. Second to that is Texas with 29 million, I believe. But one out of every eight U.S. residents live in California. There's tremendous opportunity here, tremendous influence. Now, a lot of people look at California and they poke fun at us. You know, it's like another earthquake and the land of fruits and nuts is going to crack off the edge. It's going to float and join the Hawaiian Pacific Rim. You know, some would appreciate that if that would happen, I think. But... I love California. You know what's happening though is many people are cashing in because of the, uh, the the cost of living are so great and if they've done well, they're cashing in and they're leaving. But we want to be a part of a renewal movement in California because there's a prime opportunity here. But it goes even further than that. This assignment is the people in in the world, of the world. 
There's a huge world out there when you head outside of the U.S. There are people that Jesus wants every local church to be involved in people from all around the world hearing the message of Jesus and experiencing his life change. Here's some pictures of some of the teams we sent out last year or this this past year to Germany, different places in Europe, to Taiwan. We sent a team to the Middle East as well. and, And we partner regularly through financial support, through what comes in on Sundays. A portion of it goes to our missions partners around the world. But people, whether here in in Riverside or across the globe, matter to God. They're on his heart. And right now we're living in a world full of fear, full of terror. And frankly, when you open the paper or read the news, uh, our knee jerk in this day and age is to sort of lock the doors, lock the deadbolt, get another security system, and hunker down because it's it's shaky outside. It's it's what's going to happen next. That's what people are Constantly asking. But then Jesus' commission stirs us. Now look at what Jesus said. Look again at John 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. This is one of those assignment verses. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now these words are not for comfort's sake. These are for mission's sake. This is the mission. I'm sending you. Can you imagine those disciples who heard these words? They're, they're huddled up together after Jesus' death and his resurrection. So he's risen from the dead. It's like the windows are, you know, the windows are barred. There's barrels in front of the door. They're scared that at any moment the same people that had crucified Jesus would, you know, storm the doors and carry them off. Crucify them. And basically Jesus says, okay guys, gather around. This is what Jesus does. He's like, all right, guys, let's go out there and get him. (laughs) That's what he's saying. He's not saying, okay, guys, here's the strategy. Bar the doors. (laughs) We'll go night ops. We'll reach people secretly. No, he's like, let's get him. Let's get outside these walls and reach the very people that crucified me. You know, let's reach the world out there. It's because... People matter to God. So Jesus has called us to unlock our doors and latch our hearts to a lost and dying world because they're a precious part of the mission. There's such a strong pull of inward gravity in churches these days that it just should be about the insider. But the reality is God God cares. Jesus wept over city, city in the city of Jerusalem. He wept over the city because he's like, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And then, you know, when you pass through your your world here. Um, you know, may God break our hearts for the people that are just like sheep without a shepherd. And may God use us to impact people here. As I walk through this community, we like walking in this area. And there's the softball fields over here, one side of, of the park. On the other side, there's the Little League fields. And we used to do a lot at the Little League fields when my sons would play Little League. And we'd meet families and we'd try to interact and, and invite people around. It was a great opportunity, but that season has passed. Sons lost interest in baseball and softball fields. I'm like, hey, daughter, Grace, why don't you go play some softball? Plus, I like softball. I mean, I just like baseball, softball. No, Dad, I don't want to play. Come on, try it out, you know. But there's all these families out there. And when I see these environments throughout our town, I I get to thinking, we've got to find more ways as a group of people, as a church, to bridge into the environments where the people are. So inviting people. And then, let's keep going. It says, inviting people to take, 
to take next steps. Try doing, try doing what scripture says. Give it a shot. Apply, apply God's word to your life. Look again at the Great Commission, that most famous of the assignment verses, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, he says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. But then get this, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus saying, the mark of a Christian is that they become a disciple, they get baptized, sort of displaying the evidence that they become Christians. It's a, it's a going public of their faith. They're not ashamed to declare that they're Christians. But then, there are also people that are learning to obey. They're, they're obeying the commands of Jesus. They're practicing the commands of Jesus. They're working it into their life. And Jesus states that this is, this is a clear call. The disciples are taught to obey. This is so hard because in our information age, we take in so much information, we, far more than we know what to do with and can act on. But Jesus says we're not just to teach people how to's, but we're, 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 we're actually to, to challenge people to apply, to do something with it. James, half-brother of Jesus, in his book, James, he writes, don't just be people that hear the word only. No, do what it says. And so, we're always to be growing, always to be uh, learning in order to apply, never to be stagnant, never to be plateaued, never to be coasting or even just stuck. We're to keep this edge of, God, what's next for me? What do you want me to do next? If you're stuck now, I mean, we'll ask that question. God, what is it that you want me to apply to my life today? And so when we gather, we want to bring to life in our messages on Sundays and in our small groups in the middle of the week, this edge of challenge that God's word issues to us personally and even to us as a group. And we need clear understanding of what the Bible teaches, so we want accurate Bible teaching. But there's a bias in the Bible towards application over, over information and towards practice over just mere knowledge. And so you see that in our messages and our small groups. We want that, we want that to be a part of it. Which is why on Sundays we always end with sort of a next step and a question like, what do you think your next step is today? Because we, we want to wrestle with this piece of Jesus' command, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So then this final phrase is with Jesus. He's the object of all, all that we do. This signifies we're talking about a relationship with Jesus. It's not just we want to develop moral people. And that's a good thing, but we want people to take their next steps with Jesus because he's our only real hope. Look at this passage from Paul to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Paul writes, For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ, Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. The testimony given in its proper time. Paul's describing that there's one God, one mediator between them. What this is saying is that there's a problem between us and the God who created us. There's a problem. We need a mediator. Mediation implies that there's a conflict between two parties and it needs to get resolved. But the, pop, the popular idea floating around our culture is that there's many God ideas, not one God. Therefore, what that would mean is that if God isn't real, which is sort of the popular idea, then it makes any mediation with, with him impossible. If God is just sort of an idea birthed in the human mind, then, then there's no real God to wrong or offend, and there's no need for any mediation. But our mission is founded on the understanding that God is real, and 
while there may be ideas, you know, many, many ideas about him, there is only one him. There's only one him. And there's actually a real problem between him and us that needs to be resolved. It's called sin. And it's our collective sin that makes life so hard. And this world so full of pain. And sin is that problem that requires mediation. We can't fix it on our own because we just keep sinning. Now, it says that there were eyewitnesses. That it, Look at this verse. It says, the testimony given in its proper time. What that means is this idea just didn't pop into someone's mind and then a bunch of gullible people ate it up and then passed it on for centuries. No. What we believe is the arrival, that there's eyewitnesses. The arrival of Jesus occurred in history. It occurred at a point in time. Lots of people saw him live his life. He died at a specific location and time. Thousands saw it occur. And then he rose from the dead on a particular Sunday morning 2,000 years ago. And there's more historical evidence surrounding the existence of Christ than many other historical figures that, that we believe existed. But the big difference is that Jesus, if what Jesus said and did is true, it has serious implications on our lives here and now. He calls us to make a decision with learning about him and what he invites us to do in response to his message. When you learn about other historical figures, you're like, oh, that's interesting information. Like if you learn about the Caesars, you know, the Caesars in Rome, Caesar Augustus. I mean, the Caesars thought they were gods. They taught, you know, and people worshiped them like gods. But the Caesars never resurrected to pull that off and prove that they were God. Well, Jesus resurrected from death. And now I have a decision to make about Jesus. And so I've decided I'm going to yield my life to him. I'll bend the knee. He is the Lord of my life. But that is the foundation of our mission as a church is Jesus. And without Jesus, our faith and our mission is just silly talk. And so we're rooted to him. So this makes up our mission. That's why we've fleshed out this morning. We want to really clarify who we are as a church, what we, what we are doing as a church. And if you pull up this next slide, you'll see here's the entire frame we're looking at in this series. We have our mission. Next week we'll look at our values. Then we'll look at our strategy. And then finally we'll look at our measures. Like how do we know if we're on track? And we're trying to answer several questions through this series, so I hope you'll continue on. And if you look at the middle of this frame, in the middle of this frame, we've set some 10-year goals. Our church is uh, in our 11th year. We'll celebrate our 12th year anniversary in February. But as we've been going for at least the past decade, uh, now we're reflecting on what do we sense God wants us to do in the next 10 years. And so the, the word that we're using to guide our 10-year vision is the word advance. And we've clarified four statements that we sense God wants us to focus on. So here's the first statement that we uncovered last week. And so in the next 10 years, we hope to see this happen. We would love to secure and build on a, on a visible location to establish permanence here in Riverside and enable us to advance for future growth. This is something we'd love to see happen. We're a portable church. And what that means is the only thing that's in here when we arrive on a Sunday morning are the chairs you're sitting in. So this big backdrop, all the lights, the screens, the sound, all this stuff goes in cases. And between 7.15 in the morning and about 1-ish, is that accurate? 1-ish in the afternoon, it all gets unloaded out of a trailer, built, and then reloaded back to a trailer. There's a lot of volunteers that, that pull this off, many of you. 
Uh, but one of the things we sense is it would be great to have something um, permanent. So we could steward the resources of that, that God has provided of people's time and resources. It would create some new opportunities. And so something we unveiled last week is that we're currently in escrow on a property. And so here's a picture of the land that we're in escrow on. This is the former Riverside Swim and Tennis Club on Alessandro. It's 5.3 acres. And frankly, we're, we're all sort of surprised that we're in escrow on this. <laughs> because it's a huge undertaking for us as a church. We've put offers on a, two other properties and they weren't accepted. This is the first time we've been in escrow, something we've sensed for a couple years, and we've been saving as a church. People have been giving above and beyond to help us build up and ex- building an expansion fund. And so now what we have in the fund and what's needed for the down payment, it doesn't match up yet. And so a lot of ground has to be covered in the next five months if we're going to close escrow come January. But we have a six-month escrow, and five of those months are what we call the due diligence period, where we're trying to understand if this piece of land is is best suited for us to build on in the future. First step would be secure the land. Second step would be building on that land. And but something that's really exciting, like our down payment is, we'll probably need around six hundred thousand dollars to cover our down payment. We've got about three hundred and thirty. I mentioned last week three hundred thirty thousand in the bank. Well, right after third service last week, um, third. Thirty more thousand dollars was communicated uh, towards that fund, and so and someone shared. There's, they said, you know, here's an opportunity to give uh, based on a, a real estate sale, and it allowed uh, this family to be able to give off a real estate sale in a way that would really help boost our building expansion fund. And also, ten thousand dollars was given in service last Sunday, so forty thousand dollars that we could put towards the building, boosting from three thirty to three hundred seventy thousand, and. That for us was additional confirmation that God is, is at, at work. He's moving. And you, you head into a life of faith and you're just like, God, I don't know how we're going to do this. But God answers those questions. And, and oftentimes it's just in time, on his timetable. But so this has been encouraging. We're just asking for now, if you would be praying that we would know if this is the right spot, if this is really it, that God would really continue to open the doors and, and provide. And really that we as a congregation would say, yeah, we're, we're in. We want to be a part of uh, securing that piece of property for the future, and there will be a season if if we move forward, there will be a season where we're gonna where we'll ask our church community to really get behind this effort, and so we'll we'll keep you posted on that. But that's advance number one, and the next statement that we're showing you this morning is this: we want to train 200 kingdom leaders from our own people and from the emerging generations. And specifically, what I mean by this is that. So far in the past, uh, in the history of our church, the past 11 years, we've trained 107 adults in, in some training programs that we do through our church network. And so the three training programs are called North Star, Antioch Project, and FLDC. And so 98 adults have graduated from North Star. There's some overlap because some people have done two of the trainings. And so, um, but North Star is a, it's a two year long, training program where people walk through the Bible in four different ways, and they learn to navigate life through God's Word, getting a firm grip on what God's Word, the Bible, has to say, and then help people understand how to lead other people. And so we we walk uh, people through the uh, North Star experience, and a lot of people have fought up that opportunity. Five people have graduated from something called the Antioch Project, which is a five-year-long graduate-level vocational training for ministers. So people who sense 
they're going into ministry, whether a staff role or pastoral role, then we, we offer a training for that. And actually, there's a seminary that has partnered with us to grant uh, an accredited full Masters of Divinity to our training called the Antioch Project. But if we've got five graduates, and we have, I think, 16 people currently enrolled in Antioch Project that sense a call towards full-time ministry. And then 46 people have graduated from the Family Life Development Center, which is a one-year training that people uh, learn how to be a people helper, to provide lay counseling, to help people work through the challenges and uh, difficulties that come up in life. And so we're trying to raise up a force of leaders who can help us accomplish the mission that Jesus has given. And we're trying to not sit around. We're trying to be really intentional in how we uh, focus our, our time. But so far, 107 unique individuals have bought up opportunities to get training and we sense we want to have an ambitious goal. Here's pictures of the graduates from some of the graduates from those training programs. And so many people have just jumped in to the playing field and gotten more training, and their spiritual life has come fully alive as people are learning to share their faith. Just this morning, I was so encouraged. One of the, one of the gals that finished North Star training a few years ago had an opportunity, I think, or was going to have an opportunity to share with a a lady who came last week, and just to share her faith, uh, because the person uh, marked a card and said, "I want to know more about what so and so said yesterday." They or they got in a great conversation, and this gal from our North Star, uh, is, she's like, "I'm so nervous. I don't know what to share." And and but she's trusting God to to share and be used by Him. But so many people have bought up training program opportunities, and that's unusual because there's a bunch of things that prevent us from taking our spiritual growth seriously. Like, for example, some of your parents, you got young kids, and you just don't have that much time, and you're always exhausted. <laughs> and so, but what I've seen is some, some young dad will take a training program while mom is at home, and then once they graduate, the mom will join, or vice versa, and, and they'll buy up the opportunity. Or for those of you who are in your retirement years, rather than just deciding to, to check out of church life, we've seen people dig in deeper and train here with us and use their experience and influence to train more effectively in order to pour into the next generation. Or we've tapped into a pipeline of young adults in this town. There's four colleges here, and we've been able to train a steady flow of students and 20-somethings who plug into our church year after year. And we want to provide ways to train, specific ways to train future leaders. Something else that's really exciting is we have 209 kids on our in our church Kids on roster. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> so 209 kids. And so here's a picture of some of the training uh, opportunities that have been, that we've wired for children and students in our church. We have only 17 students. We have 200 plus children. So one day we'll have a booming student ministry here. <laughs> but we're wanting to teach the emerging generation how to practice scripture, how to understand what the Bible says, how to begin to practice what God um, ask us to do. And so, because we don't want to just hand off, we don't want just families that hand off resources to the next generation financially. I mean, that's important to, to plan and prepare for the future and to, to do that, but we want to hand off spiritual resources to the next generation and set them up to be a part of the renewal movement of what God wants to do here and now. But these are all just examples of people being taught how to apply Jesus' commands. And beyond those that we've already trained, we've set this aggressive goal 
to not just sort of settle in as a church and, and live on the past, but really focus on what, what, what's next. And so we've set an aggressive goal to train 200 more future leaders. And so this vision is one reason why that first statement about purchasing permanent, a permanent location and building makes a lot of sense because it would be really helpful to have a place that we could use all the time. We rent this place five hours on a Sunday morning and um, we also have an office that we have used for the last, I think, almost four years in Mission Grove, but our our landlord asked us to sign a three-year lease, and we couldn't sign that because this building, if it opens up, we don't want to be locked in on a $150,000 over three-year you know, lease. And so we're sort of stepping into the unknown. We're letting our lease go at the office, and we've found a temporary office space where we can work out it for our staff. And it's exciting, but it's also Somewhat unsettling. <laughs> so we're about to see, you know, all of this stuff unfold. But you, you've come at a really exciting time, and we're excited that you're part of, of OCC. I want to invite our worship team back up to the stage. And if the property does not work out, and we, if we don't, you know, we're in escrow. They're, they're in contract to sell to us. But if it doesn't happen, um, we'll continue to use this tool that God has provided. We're so grateful for the tool of the community center that we've been able to rent for 11 years. It's been really helpful. And so as we wrap up, consider this. Our our world is always obsessing about something. Something's always broken. Something always needs to get fixed. But any kind of fix that's just built on the sand is, is still in the sand. And it cannot protect. Anything built on sand can't protect against the storms of life. Only lives that are built on the solid rock can stand. And so... While the world around us keeps playing in the sandbox, we have been given a precious mission, an assignment that Jesus wants us to stay focused on and work with others on. Ours is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. That We call that a God dream because it's a lot larger than just our own life or our own family. It's a dream that can impact people for eternity. So I hope you'll join with us and, and uh, take another step even in your uh, walk with Jesus this morning. And so here's a few steps to consider. Maybe identify if there's a step of obedience that you have delayed taking. Oftentimes we get involved in church and God puts his finger on an area and it starts heating up and he's like, I really want you to take this step. And we, we delay or we just ignore God and we get stuck. And you can get stuck for years through disobedience. So I'd encourage you, if there's something God's been asking you to do, take the step. Ask him to give you courage and faith and take a step forward. And then second, consider your commitment to the OCC mission. We would love for you to reflect on this message this week. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this group and this time. We praise you for your work in us, your work through us. It's a joy and a privilege, Lord, to serve you, that you'd use us, Lord, to carry such an important message. So we just bless, would, would you work and protect and, and bless this group, Lord, and continue to lead us towards Steps of obedience. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.